The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. This program will provide the groundwork you need to advance your awareness and be involved in the approaching transformation in consciousness. Now, your host, Peter Tung. Hello and welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. Thank you so much for joining us today. The series of uh, shows that have been taking place over the last uh, few weeks have been very closely intertwined and interconnected, and it's all about doing our inner work. And I have with me today Peter Field, who's coming to us all the way from Birmingham in England. And Peter helps uh, others resolve their inner workings, their inner machinations through a process of hypnotherapy. And I'm delighted to welcome Peter to the show today and also to hear his view on what it is that keeps us all blocked up and unable to really express ourselves in a beautiful, loving, and happy way and all the barriers and blockages that, that reside within us. And his book, The Chi of, Ch- of Change, uh, is a wonderful uh almost encyclopedia-type book of all of the things that get in the way and, and how we can uh, work through all of this to, to live a happy and fulfilling life. So, Peter, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for the invitation, uh, Peter, and uh, it's, a, it's a great uh, pleasure to be here with you. So, th- in some ways, there are some negative connotations around hypnotherapy. So, perhaps you could uh, give our listeners a little bit of a better understanding of, of, of how it works in your situation and how it can be so helpful. Yes, of course. Uh, there is a, a good deal of misinformation out there, isn't there, really? And, and I think this is attributable to the, uh, the stage um, hypnotists, the television hypnotists, to have people squawking around like chickens and so on and so forth. That is a, that's a million light years away from the kind of work that I and other hypnotherapists do. What, what is hypnosis? It's an entirely natural phenomenon, Peter. In fact, each person naturally finds themselves in hypnosis several times a day. We just don't call it hypnosis. Have you ever driven along the, the highway and uh, missed your, your exit? Has that ever happened to you, Peter? Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think most, most where, drivers... Where am I? <laughs> exactly. That's because you're in a trance state, which is, in fact, a state of hypnosis. But, of course, it felt natural to you. If you go in front of a computer monitor and we, we, we were there for what feels like 10 minutes was actually an hour, time distortion, very common in the trance state of hypnosis... We're in a trance state. When we watch a television program, we can emotionally um, connect with, say, a drama or a movie, and we, we can laugh with the happy parts and we can cry with the sad parts. We're in a trance state. We've suspended the conscious, critical part of our mind, and now we have the access to the emotional, feeling part of the mind. I guess, Peter, if I were to sum up 
technically, what is hypnosis itself? It's a state where we, we change our usual focus and we move beyond the limitations of the conscious mind itself. And uh, in this state, we, we can access a deeper mind and we can accept helpful suggestions. We can tap into resources which are not usually available to us in our normal uh, conscious state. And uh, hypnotherapy is just using this state, this hypnosis, hypnotic state for things like self-improvement, resolution of, of emotional issues and difficulties, or, or even the management of pain. So, so when you're in session with someone, just give us a little bit of an overview of what that would actually look like. <laughs> it depends what they come in for, Peter. <laughs> okay. Depends what. Let's, let's take, a, say, um, the classic case of, of anxiety. Um, one of the most common... Uh, difficult as people come to uh, any therapist for is anxiety. Well, the first session would take a full case history. What's been happening in this person's life? What is happening in this person's life? Are they on any medication? Which medications are they on? We take a full, thorough case history, and we listen to the story that the person brings in with them. Anxiety uh, is always based on two simple words. It's based on what if. Uh, what if this happens? What if that happens? What if I can't do this? What if that fails? What if she? What if he? What if is is basically the uh, the precursor of all forms of anxiety. So we, we talk a little bit about the nature of anxiety, uh, the fact that it's a, a form of fear. In fact, it's a it's a milder form of fear. And then we'll unpack all of those things. The first session, then I would do what um, uh, what we call some suggestion therapy. I will guide someone into a lovely relaxed state of hypnosis to remove all apprehension and fear or anxiety about going into hypnosis, letting the person know that it's not myself, it's they who are in control. Because, you know, the truth is all hypnosis is self-hypnosis. The hypnotist, the hypnotherapist is someone skilled in helping the person to hypnotize themselves. And in that state, then the therapist can guide the person to discover and uncover solutions to their problems. The person has all the solutions. They simply don't know how to access them. So you're providing this uh, safe space and place for them to actually go deep within themselves to access this piece of them that is not normally available to them. Exactly. And safe space is, is key to it. Um, you know, so many people coming in to, to see me and other therapists, um, they, will, they will burst into tears because they've been holding things back from, from the world and from other people for so long. In a very short period of time, they recognize it's safe here and they often apologize or begin to apologize for crying, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, I buy, I buy tissue boxes by the, the caseload. <laughs> uh, I, I very swiftly reassure the person who is apologizing, please. There's no need to apologize. I like what Benjamin Disraeli, the old British prime minister, once said. He said, never apologize for emotions. When you do so, you're apologizing for the truth. Right, yeah. And people coming in have been holding the truth or withholding the truth from the world, putting on a brave face, just muggling through and getting on with things. So the first session would be, would be setting up the sessions demystifying the hypnotic process. We give a few post-hypnotic suggestions for ease of uh, trance induction the next time uh, so we could rapidly go into hypnosis. And we just set up the, uh, the sessions. The second session, the person comes in to see me. Generally, I'll do something which is called hypnotic age regression, where we can take the person back 
to previous times, previous experiences, which have sensitized them and have blocked them. And then we can reprocess the experience so the facts remain as they were. We don't really have the right to change facts, do we? But we can change the consequence or the effect of those facts. Very often it involves regressing back to a childhood, infancy uh, period uh, in the person's life when, of course, they went through an experience and perhaps they didn't properly uh, process it because uh, they were very young. Uh, uh, they didn't actually see what was happening or get the correct take on it. Or perhaps they did, but they were in no position to handle it. But now they can. So we take them back there. They revivify, re-experience it, but this time in a very safe manner. And they reprocess the effect of the experience so it no longer establishes this damaging or hurtful uh, programming which has brought them in to see us. So when you go back to this obviously early childhood experience, um, when you look at the manifestation in people's lives today in terms of the challenges that they face, whether it be anxiety, addictions or whatever, is there a common thread when you go back to the childhood experience that connects the way that they are today with that experience? There are many different threads, but there is always a common thread. In hypnosis, we can do something called the affect bridge. Now, the affect bridge has to do with emotions, the effect of emotions on the psyche, on the mind, and the body. So in hypnosis, we can bring up the physical sensations that the person has associated with the difficulty. Let's say someone's depressed. How does it feel to be depressed? How do you personally do depressed? Oh, it feels like there's a weight on my shoulders and my breathing is labored and I just don't feel like lifting my legs. Good. In hypnosis, I bring up that emotion and then I'll take them back to the previous time when they felt like that. I'll ask them, this feeling right now, is it new or is it familiar? Familiar. Go back to a previous one. And we keep going back and going back until we come to the original experience which has traumatized or programmed the mind to respond in this way. Very often is in childhood. It doesn't necessarily need to be in childhood. There are many phobias, particularly fear of flying, which can be acquired after the person has already reached adulthood. But very often it is childhood. And so we'll just travel back there and we'll do a reprocessing of the experience. So the subconscious mind knows it doesn't need to produce the fear response. There is no need to continue the anxiety. And why does it do that? Why does the subconscious do that? Why does it create that? Yes, it's a protective mechanism. Fear is something which we're all born with. The most common fears, there are only basically two fears we're born with, are the fear of uh, falling and loud uh, noises, which are called the moral reflex, and the fear of abandonment, because no child can survive without these. There's also an inborn fear of danger. If we didn't have this, the human race probably wouldn't have survived. A saber-toothed tiger, a man with a knife, or a tribesman coming at you with a spear. We don't really have the time to logically consider, does this person's, are this person's intentions uh, peaceful? Uh, we don't have the time to use the conscious analytical mind. So our subconscious mind, the feeling, intuitive part of us, immediately takes over. Fear is designed to get us out of the path of danger. So fear is there as a response to the sensitizing experience. 
is to protect us, to get us safely. And we can, you know, the flight and fight mechanism you, you've heard, uh, that of course everyone has, I think. There are three possible responses to, uh, to uh, the fear mechanism. We can attempt to flee, which is our preferential uh, mode of behavior. We can then uh, attempt to fight off the, uh, the, uh, the source of danger, or we can freeze. So it's actually uh, flee, fight, or freeze. Why would we freeze? You've heard the expression, of course, freezing with fear. That's simply because if, we were, if the options are closed down of fleeing or fighting, if we look like we are dead, we're immobilized. Maybe the, the animal or the, the, the tribesman or the, the hostile uh, source of danger will leave us alone for a while. We'll be able to get away. So, so, so in your process then, what you're doing is, is retraining the subconscious to, to let it know that we're actually safe. Exactly. It's all about safety all about feeling safe. The person will go through, let's take something very simple, shall we? Let's take arachnophobia, which is a, a fear, as you know, of spiders. Um, pretty common fear. Why would a person be afraid of spiders? Which are, if you stay away from, from uh, certain uh, tropical countries, basically harmless. And yet, I've met people who rather jump out of a six-story window than be in a room with a spider. The conscious, logical mind knows the analytical mind knows there is no real need for the fear response. But the subconscious mind has in the past been programmed to feel fear or to associate fear with spiders. There's two ways that this could happen. The first way is they might have been in a situation where a spider surprised them. They might never have seen a spider before and they were shocked. They might have been very small, could have been babies or infants, and the fear response then became transferred to all spiders, from the, from the specific to the general. Or there is also a psychological process called emotional contagion. They might have seen mom or dad or another member of the family or uh, an adult sh shrink when a spider was in the room, or go, ooh, when the spider came on television. And so they will then absorb the same fear. The fear response is always about keeping the person protected and safe. It's there to withdraw from danger. So the work we do in the healing of hypnotherapy is to re-educate the subconscious mind to say, there is no need for you to continue this program of fear you are safe, and you will remain safe, even in the presence of spiders, even on airplanes, etc. Thank you, Peter. We're taking our first break here. It's Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. This is the 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. Being Outside the Box is your thrival guide to living outside this reality. Are you always waiting for your ship to come in? 
Do problems happen to you? What if you created your life rather than sitting by waiting? Do you live in the fantasies of this reality? Winning the lottery, waiting for your prince, princess to come, even being healthy? Do you always do what is expected of you rather than choosing for you? What if the rules didn't apply? And what if you could thrive from a different space? Join host Lynn Waldrop for tools to being outside the box. Listen Thursdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on 7th Wave. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. Thank you for joining us today. Just a reminder to go to my website, www.petertongue.com, where you'll find all the information for what we are doing in the world today and all of the radio shows archived. And if you are interested in joining our live meditations on a Thursday morning at 11.30 a.m. Pacific time, then just click on the events page on the website, www.petertongue.com, and follow the information there, and you can join us this Thursday. I'll be doing a meditation around the summer solstice, which is at 3.51 a.m. Pacific time on early Saturday morning. I have with me today Peter Field, who is a hypnotherapist who works specifically with one-on-one with clients, helping them to resolve their challenges in life. And in the first segment, Peter talked a little bit about what some of those challenges are. So, Peter, you, you tit- entitled your book The Chi of Change. Perhaps you should uh, inform our listeners of why that title and the significance of it. Yes. Okay. You know, um, Peter, I spent a long time in, in the Far East, um, in Japan, China, Korea, India, and I got the word chi from the, the 5,000-year-old Taoist philosophy, uh, Taoism. Uh, in, in Taoist philosophy and thinking, chi is considered to be the, the life force or the life process, if you like. It's the energy which flows through all and everything that is. And so I've taken this word... And I've used it to uh, represent, it's a metaphor for emotions and, and feelings. You know, emotions and feelings, to me, are messages being sent from that wise part of the mind, the subconscious mind. The subconscious mind sends us feelings, and it can sometimes send us very anxious or uncomfortable feelings. And what it's asking us to do is to do something about those feelings. So the feelings are there, the unsettled feelings are there in order to persuade us or to uh, push us towards bringing change into our life. We generally change in an attempt to rid ourselves of uncomfortable feelings. So the chi of change is basically talking about the emotions and feelings coming from the subconscious mind which propel us and force us to bring positive change into our lives. 
So actually what you're saying is then that these feelings of, of discomfort and dis-ease are actually trying to help us out of the position we're in into a better situation. Absolutely, yes. Uh, we tend to think, especially in the West, of, of feelings as being um, good or bad. Actually, I don't believe there's such a thing. They're only comfortable or uncomfortable feelings, really, aren't they? Um, what I believe is that neurosis is simply an attempt to escape our difficult feelings. Rather than face our difficult feelings, rather than go into that kind of shadowy world, we run from them and we become neurotic in our running. So we all maybe take uh, antidepressants, uh, tranquilizers, uh, some of us will drink or drug or adopt compulsive behaviors rather than actually listening to what the feelings are trying to tell us and then acting on those messages, doing something about the uncomfortable feelings. So before we move into that, you just mentioned medication. So just tell our listeners what your experience has been with working with people using a medication to help them, uh, in inverted commas, on, yes, this, uh, yes. on this healing journey. What, what's your experience well, there? You, you, you may have uh, been through the book and noticed that I'm uh, pretty much against a lot of medication. We're, we're living in a society now which is over-medicalized. Uh, medicines, medication does have its use, I believe. But um, when you think 10%, I mean, 1 in 10 of all American citizens over the age of 12 is now taking antidepressant. It's a little bit astonishing, isn't it? In the UK here, um, two years ago, as the latest I have the figures for, the most recent figures, show that there are almost as many prescriptions written for antidepressants in this country, in the UK, as there are citizens of the United Kingdom. Wow. So we're living in a very medicalized uh, ethos and medicalized uh, uh, environment. I'd say at least half, probably more, of the people coming to see me arrive on some kind of psychotropic medication, some kind of medication which is attempting to help them to deal with uncomfortable feelings. And, and why don't they ultimately work in your view? Well, all the research is in. Uh, if we strip the uh, research which is funded by the pharmaceutical companies, and, you know, pharmaceutical companies, let's face it, they're in business to make money, aren't they? The pharmaceutical industry is the second uh, most powerful and important uh, financial business in the world. Second only to um, armaments. First is the armaments and then is the pharmaceuticals. There's an awful lot of money in it. Why, why they don't work? All the research stripped of the propaganda, or at least most of it, shows they're about as effective as placebo, sugar pills, milk sugar pills. However, once a person attempts to discontinue these things, already some brain chemistry is altered and can be very difficult to get off them. So I don't think they are very efficacious. And what they're attempting to do is not really to solve the issue. They're attempting to wallpaper over the issue, to ignore the origin of the problem, to ignore the messages coming from that feeling part of the mind, the subconscious mind, to basically cosh them or to anesthetize them into oblivion rather than using them in a, in a positive way. So, so you're, you're working with people who are on medications, and does that then lead to them to gradually get off those medications? 
the vast majority of people coming to see me do eventually uh, taper off the medication. I would just give a little um, uh, caution here. No one should ever consider discontinuation of any kind of medication, particularly psychotropic or antidepressants or anxiety, anti-anxiety medication, unless they do so under the supervision of a qualified medical practitioner, medical doctor, because there can be some very severe uh, reactions if the person just stops suddenly. The way to stop is under medical supervision and to step down gradually over a period of time. So, Peter, perhaps you could give us um, uh, a case sort of study example, your free choice of whatever area you choose, mm-hmm. to, to sh- help our listeners see how this process unfolds, not from the hypnotherapy point of view, but from the person themselves' point of view and, and the changes that you see take place in, in that person. Mm-hmm. Where to start? I mean, <laughs> Peter, every day, every day I'm amazed. I've been, doing, I've been doing this work for over 30 years now, and still... I'm astonished at the changes and the transformations I see unfolding. One that comes to mind immediately, now you've asked me, because it was just last week I had the final session, was a young man, 15 years old, who came to see me uh, against his uh, actual uh, will. Now, I would ordinarily never see a client unless they themselves were willing to see me. But it wasn't that the person was not willing to see me, is that they were too afraid to lo- leave their home. The 15-year-old lad was, the boy was uh, agoraphobic. He had not left his home for over two and a half months. Wow. So he basically had to be uh, wrestled into his father, uh, father's car and brought here. Um, we got him a parking spot and he would not leave the car. I had to leave my office and go down and speak to him. Not only did I had to take off my suit jacket, I usually work in a suit part of the persona. I took off the suit jacket because he was terrified of people with suits and I went and asked could I sit in the car with him and yes, he would allow me in the car but he would not under any circumstances leave that car. Remember, he had not left his home for two and a half months. He had not been able to go to school. Well, eventually, he, after about, I say, 40 minutes, he allowed himself to trust me. I managed to break through, and together we came up into, into, my, uh, into my clinic, into my office, and we began our session. That same day, his father was coming to see me. He was also a new client. So my PA guided the young man down into the uh, lounge uh, on the second floor, I work on the sixth floor, and offered to stay with him. He said, no, it won't be necessary. He can play about on his mobile phone. After the father's session was finished, the father and I went down, and in the room with this young man, there were about three or four people in business suits. I asked him, oh, how do you feel with these people in business suits? He looked at me like, what do you mean? <laughs> you know, like nothing was wrong, nothing whatever was wrong, Whatsoever was wrong. Well, after just four sessions, Peter, what happened with this young man is the last report was he's back at school. He's going to Nando's, which is a some kind of quick uh, fast food chicken joint with his friends that teenagers like to go to. He was eating out at Nando's in crowded Birmingham, in the center of Birmingham, and he's back at school. So for me, what tremendous satisfaction to see someone like that changing before my eyes. And what was, what was the root issue, can you say? 
bullying. The boy had been bullied at school and he'd also witnessed somebody else being bullied at school. And so, of course, again, the protective function, fear, uh, was, was implanted and programmed in the mind. Uh, I must keep you safe. I will send you these messages. These messages you can give a name if you like to, but they will be fear. I'll make you too fearful to leave the home so you'll never again be placed in this kind of danger. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It's, it, it, when it, yeah, it makes total sense. When, when, I guess when it all unfolds and you look at the individual cases that you work with, I guess it all makes lots of sense once yeah. you've accessed what the actual real issue is. And that's the key, isn't it, is getting to the, the core issue. Exactly. We, we're not at all interested really in the symptoms. The symptoms, those things which people try to drug away or drink away or gamble away, uh, those are just the manifestation, the periphery of the problem. Once we locate, uncover the cause of the problem and then do something about that cause so it's neutralized, the symptoms will automatically uh, fade and fall away. So, Peter, we're coming up to our second break, which we'll take now. It's Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. It has been foretold that this is a time of great change in the consciousness of the planet. What is the paradigm shift required to usher in a new reality? Join avatars Peggy and David as they introduce a new and fresh living spirituality which will stretch you and cause you to question everything you have learned on your spiritual journey. Tune in every Thursday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel for The Avatars, ushering in a new beginning. And get ready for a provocative discussion that will challenge many of your most cherished spiritual beliefs. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. Be the change. The 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. You're listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. Thank you for joining us today. I just want to take this opportunity to thank my sponsors for this sh- series of shows, Sherry Chase of Chase International Real Estate Company in beautiful Lake Tahoe, Nevada and Reno, Nevada, and also uh, Brandy Jackson, my producer 
for the show and Matt, our regular engineer, for providing the opportunity for me to bring such great guests to you, our listeners, so that you can absorb and take in whatever you choose to from each show and uh, help you, guide you and assist you on your own awakening journey. And I have with me today Peter Field, who is a hypnotherapist. And Peter, you, you deal with all of the major issues that people have to deal with in their lives. And so I've got a million different questions <laughs> to ask you. But, but one I, I am interested in is, is one that's become really significant in the world today, and that's post-traumatic stress disorder. Oh, yes. It's, it's increasing, isn't it? And of course, yeah. when, we, when we think of, of uh, PTSD, T-D. Uh, we, we think of the military soldiers, and uh, and this is where I think there's a lot of focus going on. But we know, uh, Peter, that post-traumatic stress disorder can affect uh, a myriad of areas. For example, car accidents, motorcycle accidents, uh, people who've been in abusive relationships. Uh, all kinds of people can can experience post-traumatic stress disorder. I yeah I had I had uh, one client uh, that came from uh, from your neck of the woods let's say in fact you're on the west coast he came from Ontario and um, he was uh, severely um, it was a, a chronic case of, of, of post traumatic stress disorder his life had ground to a halt I, I mentioned this in my book that the Chief of Change this particular uh, client and I of course for anonymity I changed identities and changed the names of all the people I. Uh, I, I, I speak of in the, in the book. Well, he had been in a bank in Ontario and into the bank had burst three men with guns and uh, motorcycle uh, helmets and the visors pulled down and a bank robbery. He found himself in the middle of a bank robbery. Uh, three times during this bank robbery, he believed he was going to die. One of the bank robbers had lifted his visor to wipe the sweat off his face, and he'd seen my client looking. And so the person then immediately went into a a terrible state. Having survived the bank robbery, he went through an enormous amount of depression. He worked for over a year with a psychiatrist specializing in in, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. And it was his mother, actually, who booked the appointment to see me. He, at this time, was living in the UK, and his mother came to visit him from Canada. And what it was, of course, was that the mind had frozen from fear. And now it was locked into this fear response. And this fear response was pervading his dreams. He was having nightmares. It was interfering with his thought processing, his cognitive abilities. It was interfering with everything. His his, his marriage, he had, a, had two children. His wife had left him. She couldn't tolerate his moods any longer. He had become impossible. Once the subconscious mind had reprocessed the experience, and in the regression part of the therapy, he was able to recall all manner of things which his conscious mind had blocked. He remembered escaping out of the sidewalk, he remembered all kinds of things which his conscious mind had blocked, and he recalled these things, but now we were able to reassure him, his younger state, that you will survive this, it will be scary, but even though it looks like it's dangerous, no harm will come to you. So the fear response does not need to continue. So we take the person through the experience again, the facts remain the same, but this time 
his subconscious mind knows he's safe. And post-traumatic stress disorder is a continuation of the belief that the person is not safe. Simply that. And so what was the final outcome for him? Oh, absolutely fine. Great to say, back with his wife. Um, he responded so well. It took about five sessions to clear, to clear this guy. He responded so well. And uh, he's got his own business now, I think, to do with computers. And uh, uh, last I heard from him was, um, was doing really well, back with the, back with the family. And uh, I got a thank you uh, email, in fact, not from him, but from his mother in Canada. <laughs> Great. He's still living his life, I guess. Yeah. So talking about Canada and, 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 the, and the UK, so do you do any sessions remotely or do you prefer to work with people right physically with you? That's a good question. I know there are uh, some therapists, some hypnotherapists who do do remote or Skype sessions. But personally, the way I work does require that I'm in the same room with the client. I can be kind of uh, kinesthetic, if you like. Sometimes I will manipulate their head during trance. I might lift the hand or tap on the hand or tap on the forehead or do these things to link in with that modality, the kinesthetic modality, which is also being associated then with an emotion. So I need to be there to, to do that physically. Yeah. Okay. So, um, what I want to shift into now then is, is, is having gone through all these challenges and these traumas, a big piece of the book is then how we move into living a life of happiness and peace and calm and serenity. And I want to throw a quote at you, Peter, from the book, because to me, it really, I, it was, to me, it was just the most significant moment for where I am in my life and, and my own journey. And this is what you said in the inner quiet we find the self that had been buried in the dust of our own mad rush. This self can steer us through fear, unhappiness, and confusion, guiding us to clarity, vision, and calmness, an encounter with our innermost self. That's brilliant, Peter. Well done. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> it's simply based on experience, and it's what I do genuinely believe, Peter. We have a tendency as people to flee from this self, to be frightened by this self. Sometimes in our deepest, in our darkest moments, this self will surface. We may be exhausted. We may be at the end of our tether. We may be down on the floor broken. Those moments can be tremendously re-empowering. If we know how to listen, it's there where the self says, here I am. I'm a still part of you. I'm a quiet part of you. All will be well if you'll simply allow yourself to be yourself and to listen to this quiet inner voice. And as the book is called The Chi of Change, why, why do we have such a resistance to making this change? Human beings, we like to take the easy way, don't we? <laughs> it takes energy, so why do it the... Uh, we like to take the easy way. It's painful to become conscious. Carl Jung, one of my psychology heroes, he said, there is no coming to consciousness without pain. And who really wants to experience pain? Wouldn't it be better to pop a pill, take a drink, take a drug, or run in the other direction? There is no coming to consciousness without pain. It's in our attempt to flee these pains, to 
get out of this situation where we open ourselves up to real neurosis. He said also that neurosis is an attempt to flee from this pain is a substitute for legitimate suffering. If we allow ourselves to go there, in that suffering, in that darkness, we can find true riches. And sometimes we have to be broken. You know, the wonderful Canadian poet, singer-songwriter Leonard Cohen has a line I like from one of his songs. There is a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. Sometimes we've got to be cracked wide open for the light to get in. And Leonard Cohen himself has some uh, issues, doesn't he, around public uh, performance? <laughs> yes, yes, Leonard. Leonard does have some of those things, doesn't he? Uh, I, I think he's been known to vomit before he goes on the stage. Yeah. Uh, yes. But bless him, he's given so much beauty uh, to the world. And there's an example of, of courage in motion, isn't there? That despite those difficulties, you push on. You push on. Yeah. I remember when I was playing rugby seriously that having those feelings of nausea, I didn't actually vomit, but some people did before big games and, and having that sense of nausea, that feeling inside. But it also meant that, that I knew I was going to have a good game when I went out yes. because it really mattered, right? <laughs> Absolutely right. I work sometimes, I'm fortunate to work with, with sometimes uh, work with people who are pretty well known in the entertainment industry. And um, I've been surprised by a couple of them, Peter. You know, I thought, you, you of all people come to me because you get anxiety, lack of, lack of self-confidence, when they are the epitome of uh, calm, controlled confidence on the television or in the movies. And They've said to me, Peter, whatever you do, help me to control the anxiety, boost my confidence, but for heaven's sake, don't take those feelings that you just described, Peter, don't take them all away because I need those feelings to give my best performance. And so exactly, a degree of that adrenaline, a degree of that kind of anxiety, if you like, a certain degree is absolutely essential if we want to give our best. And that's what you were capitalizing on or using and recognizing when you're playing rugby. And, and, and again, again, there, there is obviously a physical fear involved when you play rugby. <laughs> so getting yourself into that right adrenaline state, but again, but they're not getting over the top and over motivated so you can't think clearly. So as you say, striking that balance of, of, of feeling those things, but not allowing them to take over. That's right. It's, it's control, it's management of it. Absolutely right. If they consume you, then you're going to make an awful job of it. Yeah. Maybe endanger yourself, yeah. Well, exactly, and, and I've seen players do that for sure, just uh, being over-motivated and putting themselves at risk, absolutely, yeah. So, Peter, we're coming up to our final break, so we'll take that now, and we'll return uh, with Peter Field after the break. It's Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. The 7th Wave Channel on The Voice America Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. 
Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. We all want peace. We all desire a more meaningful life. We work hard to achieve these things, but at what avail? The key is authentic living with Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of the great spiritual experts of today and will provide wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your own I am. Your authenticity can give you miraculous gifts, but you have to know how to get there. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the 7th Wave Network. Visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You're listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tan. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. Thank you for joining us today. I have with me today Peter Field, who's written a book called The Chi of Change, and in that book really covers all aspects of human challenge through our subconscious and conditioning programming. And uh, so it, it really uh, clearly outlines for all of us uh, the issues that we face and how we can resolve them through his own expertise, which is in hypnotherapy. So Peter, just let our listeners know how they can get hold of the book and, and your website. Good, yeah. The the book is called The Chi of Change. It's available on all uh, uh, Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, etc. But there's also a um, a site I've created called chiofchange.com, Peter. Chiofchange.com, all one word. And there I explain a lot more about the contents of the book and what it's about. I also give away a, a couple of freebies. Uh, my first book was called A Sense of Joy. I'm giving away a free download of that, together with a couple of my self-hypnosis recordings for anyone who purchases a copy of my book, uh, The Chi of Change. So chiofchange.com, I guess that's uh, the best place to go. So in fact, people can connect with you through the self-hypnosis that you, obviously, you speak over. Uh, on that, on the CD, is that right? Yes, that's right. Um, uh, I have a range of uh, self-hypnosis CDs uh, designed for everything from anxiety to uh, self-esteem, confidence, uh, and so on and so forth. They're all listed there, and um, the website will take you uh, to the uh, to the array of uh, different uh, uh, recordings. Okay, thank you. So, the, um, just before we move on to talk about the simplicity and the joy of, of living, just wanted to do a final question around the ego and and you talk in the book about ego states and i think the way you present it might be really revealing for people so just explain a bit about what that means hmm ego states is a a concept of of a multiplicity 
of the, the person's personality. Um, you know, in our society, Peter, we're so accustomed to thinking of ourselves as one, myself, yourself, but I found it be much truer to say myself because I'm not one single thing and neither are you and neither is anyone. We're all a multiplicity of different aspects of the self and I call these ego states and each ego state has its own particular etiology, its own particular history. And have you ever had that feeling, oh, one part of me wants this and another part of me wants that? Have you ever experienced that? Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah, yeah. And that's precisely because there is a part of you that wants one thing, another part of you, or an ego state that wants a different one. I believe we jump between five to 15 different selves or ego states in any given week. And when one ego state jumps up, it kind of grabs the steering wheel and the other parts... Don't get a say in until that part will relinquish control and another part will come up and grab the steering wheel. When that part does that, we call it gaining the executive. When an ego state or a part of ourselves gains the executive, the other parts don't get a look in. But sometimes one part of us is not in agreement with another part of us. And that's the conflict. One part of me wants this or one part of me wants that. So the ego state therapy, which I incorporate in, in my hypnotherapy, is designed to create a balance, a harmony between all aspects of the self, all of the ego selves working in peace and harmony together. So the conflict is ended. So let's talk about that then. Walk When we are in uh, this place of peace and harmony and, and your first book uh, to do with, with the joy, the sense of joy, mm-hmm. and when we're living in that state where we actually are in a place of harmony, we're being a true authentic self. Just talk yes. a little bit about that now because that connects into this bigger picture which we might call spirituality and our meaning and life's purpose. Authentic is exactly the right word, Peter. I'd also use the word spontaneous. We're being our authentic selves and our spontaneous selves. This spontaneous self, this authentic selves, need no script, no rehearsals. They simply flow. They're able to respond to whatever life brings their way in a natural manner without rehearsal or script. And when we reach this state, it doesn't mean that we become little Buddhas or Bodhavistas. It doesn't mean we levitate above the rest of humanity. It means we're largely at peace with ourselves, with the world and with the universe. And the energies then function within this universe. When this happens, we still are capable of feeling emotions such as anxiety. That's part of the fabric of existence from time to time. But it would be far more manageable. It would be less, far less intrusive. We can still... Have a blue day. We're still going to be human. But these things will not incapacitate us. They will not rule us, not control us. Because we are flowing with our inner selves. We're in harmony with all aspects of ourselves. And so we're in aspect harmony with existence, if you like. So I'll just say a very quick one of mine, because as I've been doing what you're talking about, which is just to be still and at peace and, and, and not uh, have that dust covering over, yes. what, I've, what I've realized is that when I'm sitting in that quiet place and, and relaxed and, and, and being still, that I've got this program running that, that I created or took place when I was the school principal, which is of, and you've just used the word now, which reminded me of rehearsal, where I find myself rehearsing some future event that's to come yes. uh, to make sure that I don't get thrown off 
offline uh, or, or, or something exactly. doesn't come up that I can't manage, which is exactly what the school itself was, was terrified of, was a yes. parent or a board member coming in from left field and, and shaking us so we didn't know how to respond. And, and so this confidence and spontaneity and authenticity is what you're talking about, is, is the, the other side of that, isn't it? Absolutely. And then we revert back again to these two words, what if? The basis of all anxiety, which I mentioned a little earlier, Peter. What if I make a fool of myself? What if I can't answer the the parents' questions? What if someone catches me out? What if I fail to... And all these what-ifs create a feeling of anxiety. So tell us about, just we've only got a few minutes left now, but tell us about yourself and, and in terms of... How you? I mean, you're dealing with this every single day, but you're human as well. So, so what do of you course. do, and how do you manage this? I, I, I go into self-hypnosis a minimum <laughs> of twice a day. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Yes. I start my day. I've been doing it for 35 years using self-hypnosis. I start my day with about five minutes of just centering in self-hypnosis. I go to a very deep state of hypnosis. And this is the same system I use with my clients. I teach everyone that comes to see me who is interested, self-hypnosis. And I just drop down to my center. I calm things. I set things up. I program the subconscious mind. I emerge from hypnosis and I go about it. If I have a particularly trying session, which can happen, I'll spend a couple of minutes after the session just to clean myself, clean the system, to divest myself or to release whatever negative energy I might have absorbed from the client life story so i use self-hypnosis on a regular basis and and obviously in the work that you do you you always are bound to come across some very challenging circumstances and sometimes challenging people well yes of course people being people not not everyone is is nice and pleasant you're going to find sometimes they're not uh, not regularly clients of mine, but sometimes you'll find people that just want to come in to make some kind of a, an eruption. I don't know, it gives their life a little bit more interest or meaning. And so, of course, we, 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 cope, we cope and manage with, with whatever a client brings in with them. There's always a reason for any kind of behavior. Every behavior has some form of positive intent. And, of course, one of the things I know from my own work, and you obviously must know as well, is through the work that you do, is is having no attachment to the outcome for each particular person that comes in precisely i think peter if 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 you or i had these attachments it'd be very difficult to to uh, continue with the work for any uh, real period of time i remember thinking when i when i was the school principal and all the stuff that happens in a school with 500 kids 200 of whom are away from home in boarding and mm. all and 50 teachers you know if if you had any attachment at all you'd be dead pretty quickly <laughs> Oh, yes. You couldn't survive, could you? You'd be too drained. And this does happen to therapists, and perhaps you know of or you know some therapists that happen to. They have not just developed the function to Teflon coat themselves. The, The key is to be empathetic, but not to become a sponge. The story unfolding is not the therapist's story. It is the client's story. Absolutely. Well, Peter, we've, we've run out of time. It's gone by very, very quickly, and, and uh, really? you've done a wonderful <laughs> job. Yes, really. You've done a wonderful job of explaining uh, this very challenging area of life. And it's wonderful. I can actually feel the unraveling taking place as you're speaking of these subconscious uh, issues that tend to run our lives and just uh, allow us to come to a place of peace and calm and, and quiet relaxation. So thank you so much for joining us today and, and sharing your wisdom with us. 
Thank you for this great opportunity, Peter. It's been really interesting. You've made it so easy for me to talk with you. Well, thank you so much. Peter Field, The Chi of Change. It's an excellent book that uh, many of you would benefit from reading and getting a copy. So my guest next week is actually going to be Simran Singh, who is another one of the hosts on Voice America. And Simran has been going through a very interesting experience herself. She's been on the rebel road, um, but the journey didn't turn <laughs> quite as she thought it would. And she's going to be sharing part of that uh, story with us next week on the show. So I hope you enjoyed today's show. Have a wonderful week. Enjoy the solstice on the weekend. And I'll join with you next Wednesday, June 25th. It's Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. We hope that you found this week's show to be enlightening and inspiring. Please join host Peter Tong for another edition of Awakening to Conscious Creation next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network.